An ESG strategy is a small part of your growth strategy. Okay? And it will influence how quickly you grow and where, uh, which aspect of the business you will grow at and grow from. B2B has the potential to be electrifying. But the industry is paralysed by a culture of conservatism, scared stiff in a straitjacket of rational ideas. It's time for change. It's time to make B2B marketing visceral. Join us as we uncover and explore the truth with leading B2B marketers. This is B2B Marketing, the provocative truth. Hello and welcome to B2B Marketing, the provocative truth. I am Benedict, and today I am going to be running solo, but fear not, I am joined by Jihan Hyde, who is the founder and CEO of Communique, who are an ESG um, communications agency. Um, Now, firstly, am I doing that justice? And secondly, please use this opportunity to give yourself an introduction. First of all, I'm very impressed you pronounced my name right, so thank you for that. Um, yes, so we are, so hi everyone, yes, I am Jihan, and uh, my consultancy is called Communique. We are actually not just an ESG communications consultancy, we are an overall ESG consultancy, so I need to go back and figure out if my messaging is correct or not. Um But yeah, so what we are, we basically help organizations to integrate ESG activities and initiatives within their business model to reflect that new direction that they want to take forward. And we also help them to communicate it effectively. Uh, We are a team of nine at the moment, and we're all from underdeveloped countries and underrepresented communities because that's our purpose. I I founded Communique because I wanted to give a voice to my uh, fellow communication professionals who are from underdeveloped countries and underrepresented communities because I'm originally from Sudan. Um, We're a B Corp certified. Uh, We are being told, uh, if I'm not mistaken, we are the first Arab female-founded B Corp certified in the world. And for those of you who don't know what B Corp is, it's basically a certification that says that you are the most impactful and you are the most... uh, sustainable business in the world. There's only 4,000 of us globally and only 500 of us in the UK. Excellent. Well, that's great. And also just for people tuning in, so Gian has promised me that if I use any unnecessary big words, she's going to call me out. I have the unfortunate reputation of using that. So let's see where we get to. I'm expecting to be put on this spot today. Now, in true sort of um, beefy marketing, the provocative truth style, we start with a provocative truth. Um and that's, and this is, you know, from, from my perspective, when a lot of brands are talking around ESG, their stories, they often lack the strength, they lack the depth, and they lack that all-important authenticity. Um, now, from your perspective, you know, working within the industry that you do, is that a provocative truth that you agree with? Or do you want to tell me I've got that one wrong? You did not get that wrong. Hmm. You did not get that wrong. Unfortunately for the topic, it's a very technical topic. And for those who don't know what ESG stands for, ESG stands for Environmental, Social and Governance. Mm -hmm. And it's a term that's not used by Jihan, who's in the street, by the way. Jihan in the street will not understand. She will not even think of pronouncing ESG when she's talking about saving people and planet. It's literally a term that is used by investors Mm -hmm. to determine which companies they would invest in, why should they invest in, invest into it, and how this organization or company 
contribute to the success, uh, sorry, to saving people and having an impact on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very data driven. So you need to really know your data before you start communicating it. And the reason why the stories are weak is because there's no right data. Okay. It's a new discipline. It's a new ways of working. And the data is so difficult to gather, especially if you're a new organization, because there is data that you need to gather on your environmental impact. So that would include your carbon emission, your water wastage, for example, your supplier ethic uh, um, uh, and suppliers' um, environmental impact. So not just yours, but also your suppliers and your partners' environmental impact. Mm -hmm. So the data is complicated. And... There's also other data that's almost impossible to gather or almost impossible to quantify, mm. like the social impact. Mm. How would you quantify and, and measure the impact of having a diverse workforce? Mm-hmm. It's not easy. No, and indeed. this is why the stories are weak. Yes. Because they're not backed by accurate data. Yeah, so that, that's interesting because when I've, and this is probably my own naivety, when, I, when I've thought around ESG and I've thought about specifically um, how companies talk about ESG, I'm kind of thinking that it's, it's subjective and it's, it's their story that they want to tell. You know, if, for instance, they are part of a particular community, say, you know, it's an energy firm, then they would be talking about specifically the renewables that they might use or how they use carbon capture or, you know, achieve sort of net zero. But from what you're saying there, actually, when we talk about ESG, it's a, an objective criteria which should be applied to all companies and can be consistently applied. The initiatives are not consistent yeah. because the appetite for every organization is different. So, for example, if you are a fintech, which is a sector that's very dear to my mm-hmm. heart, mm-hmm. if you're a fintech and your technology is helping towards environmental impact and you just started the process or you've just launched to market, you don't have the foundation yet to apply everything you need to report on your impact Mm -hmm. from an environmental or social. Mm -hmm. And if you want to do that, you'll start small. So you'll start with, uh, for example, planting trees or offsetting your carbon. Mm -hmm. You won't go full shebang like uh, calculating your scope three, which is what your providers are doing, what your partners, they're emitting, for Mm -hmm, example. mm -hmm. So the appetite differs. However, if you're a large organization, the problem with that is that you're so well established as a big organization, it's so hard to change all the processes and procedures Mm. to reflect that new strategy. Mm. So yes, it's doable, but it's not a cookie cut ways of of mm. of doing things understand and, and when we're talking to the you know i would i think anyway the most of the 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 listeners that we have on the podcast are from sort of a, a marketing background so mm-hmm. i think one of the key questions they're going to want to understand is how should i be talking about esg is it right for my company to be talking about esg um now do you feel that there that every company should be talking around esg and having a story and putting out messaging or do you feel that you need to reach a certain level of achievement almost before you can really authentically start talking about ESG as a company? Every company, whether they like it or not, whether mm. they're small or large, 
will have to talk about ESG mm -hmm. because there are external pressures that would force them to do so. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whether it's a pressure from investors because they're going through their growth period and investor investment rounds. Yep. Whether it's from a customer point of view where the customers don't want to talk to you or deal or buy your product because you're not telling them how are you saving people on planet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whether, or whether it's your employees who don't want to work with you. Mm -hmm. Okay, because you're not clear and you haven't demonstrated to them that by working with you and for you, they are saving people on planet. And the data is not lying. So, for example, 84% of the global investment funds have now rebranded themselves into green funds. Mm -hmm. 84%. That's huge. One in three customers in the UK alone mm -hmm. have said they will not buy a product that is not sustainable. 56% mm -hmm. from memory, and I apologize if I deviate, if I put, if it's less than that, 56% of customers said that they will also not buy a product if they don't see themselves represented in that product. Mm for example, around 55% if from memory, I am so sorry if I, again, if I'm not getting this right, but it's also in the 50 percentage of the Gen Zers worldwide have said they will not work for a company that is not purposeful. Yeah. So whether you like it or not, You'll have to talk it's a, about it. It's definitely it. a reality. I, I, mean, look, I mean, firstly, um, now whether you're one or two percent out, I mean, I'm impressed <laughs> by your sort of recall in terms of being able to list out those stats. So that was that was fantastic. But I mean, just very very quickly, then you know, based on that, we are talking that sort of ESG and telling that ESG story has gone from being maybe a luxury to really it's an absolute business critical necessity to have that story um, mm -hmm. that you're putting out there. It is. It is. It's how you tell the story that differs mm. though. Yes. And this is how, and this is where marketing comes in. Because as marketers, so I'm an ex-marketer. And as a marketer, I am actually the voice and the eyes of my customers. Mm -hmm. I have access to to what they're thinking, to their behavior, to their mindset. Mm. So I'm actually really powerful in changing that mindset. But whether or not I change it for the good or bad, that depends on the ethos of my company that I'm working with. Yes. If you ask me, how would you tell a story of an ESG? I will say to you, be truthful. Mm-hmm. Show your vulnerability. Say that you have not got it right, but you're working towards it. And that would win you the customers that would help you grow your business and, and who would help you get it right. Yeah. Definitely. And there's there's two bits that I'd like to pick up on there. Um, there. There's one which I'm going to return to later, which is, and it's really nicely how you articulated that marketing are the eyes and ears of the organization in terms of understanding what people need, what people want. But then the first, the first thing I want to talk about is if you are a marketer and you're sitting down and you're, you're looking ahead about, okay, well, I need to plot out my wider sort of marketing communications strategy here. There needs to be that ESG story. Now, you said that it's important to be truthful, which I completely agree. Obviously, I have an inherent bias given what the name of this, uh, this podcast is. Um, but 
what advice would you give to marketers in terms of identifying those different areas to focus on and how do you create a story which is you know representative and truthful of of you but also um, meaningful in terms of engaging the the target audience how would you go about like defining what your ESG story is ask your customers what they want mm-hmm. the stories will come from your customers the stories should not be coming from you as a marketer yeah. because you're not the ESG expert and that's the problem that we're facing. So I, I develop, uh, I um, de- uh, deliver a training session for the Chartered Institute of Marketing. Yes. And my, w- the module that I deliver is about reporting. How would organizations report on their ESG efforts? But also the biggest chunk of the session is how marketers can spot stories from the reporting and from their clients and Mm -hmm. customers. And my biggest advice is, before you determine what you want to say, ask the customers what they want to hear from you. Mm -hmm. And then ask them how they want to hear it. Yeah. Because they actually will make your life easier if you do that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that... We, we can all agree that in terms of the best marketing is marketing that takes that audience first approach. You can't just bang on about what you want to talk about as a company. It's got to be that understanding of where the needs are from your audience, their interests and what's what's going to resonate from them. Which brings me on to my second part of the question, which I think is really, really interesting because <coughs> there are a lot of parallels with other conversations around marketing's role within a business. But given that marketing are the eyes and the ears, if you, as you put it there, um, and the importance of understanding what your audience want to decide your story, um, how much should marketing be actually influencing the ESG agenda of companies and how successfully are they influencing it at the moment? To answer your question about strategy and how much marketers can influence that strategy. Mm. Marketers will influence the strategy only if they have the data from their customers. Mm -hmm. Okay? They will be absolutely useless to the strategy if they don't know what the customers want. Okay? The way the strategy is formulated, and that's what we are doing with our majority of our clients right now, the strategy is mainly a growth strategy. It's the North Star of where a company wants to be. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think in one of your episodes, someone said, it's it's all the actions that shouldn't be taken because that strategy will tell you what actions and what plans you should not be applying. Yes. Something along these lines. I think think it's um, one that I I quoted. um, There's a a saying which strategy is deciding what not Not to do. Not to do. Exactly. Exactly. An ESG strategy is a small part of your growth strategy. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it will influence how quickly you grow. And where, uh, which aspect of the business you will grow at mm-hmm. and grow from. Marketing will only feed in, as I said earlier, if they have the right data from the customers and, ch- and be able to challenge that strategy mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. saying, so if the strategy wants the company to do X, 
marketing can come in and say, actually, no, our clients wants us to do Z. Mm-hmm. So these this direction needs to change. Yeah. Without the data, marketing is useless. And that's the problem we're facing now as marketers. Mm. The problem, the majority of problem that I'm facing when I'm going in to advise a company is that marketers don't want to upskill themselves. They don't want to understand the topic. Mm. They're so focused on growth and sales and working closely on just vomiting campaigns without actually taking a step back and saying, how are these campaigns Effect, is affecting the growth of our company. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, and how are these campaigns are linked? Yeah. And that's what I mean by vomiting. You're just vomiting, you're just launching a campaign and just forgetting about it. Mm-hmm. You're not actually thinking, taking a step back and thinking, campaign A will result in a growth of this much of sales, which means our company or market share will increase by this percentage. Mm-hmm. There is no big picture. Yeah. And it's not just marketers, by the way. No, no, of It's course. PR, it's internal comms, it's all the disciplines. We don't have that mentality of a businessman or a woman. Mm-hmm. We have a mentality of a worker. Yes. Yeah, I think that this is, and it's a recurring theme that we, we, we talk around, which is the importance of marketers. We usually talk about it in terms of understanding sort of the business realities from a sort of a, a revenue perspective. But... Here, what I'm hearing is that there is a little bit of a misunderstanding about ESG as a core part of a business growth strategy. And if we can get sort of bridge that gap and marketing can understand how ESG is part of a growth strategy, then we're going to get much more effective, much more nuanced marketing activity and also the input of data to help form that. Um, so that, that's where I feel it's sort of a really key thing. I, I'm just interested, you, know, you work with a lot of brands, you've gone in and you've probably seen brands that are getting it right instantly, you've seen brands that are probably getting it wrong. Um, do you have any examples that you could share of where marketers have really effectively used customer insight and data to either change the course of ESG strategy or to inform the, the direction? There is a fintech that I'm a huge fan of and they're called Habito. And what they do is they do online mortgages. Okay. And they're also a B Corp certified. So they have ESG embedded within their DNA. Mm-hmm. Whether or not they're getting it right internally within their employees, which is a different topic, by the way. Yes. <laughs> because companies are very, very good at shouting about what they're doing externally, but they're very weak about how they're living and breathing it mm. internally. So Habito um, basically tapped into their social impact strategy and gathered, with the help of marketing, by the way, gathered insight that apparently during applying for a mortgage in the UK, couples tend to drift away from each other. Mm -hmm. And intimacy does not exist during the period of applying for a mortgage and waiting for <laughs> if, uh, the, the feedback, whether they got the mortgage or not. Okay. And that affected their relationships. Yes, I can imagine. So what they did, <laughs> which is fascinating. For me, this is fa- fascinating. Okay. Um, and interestingly, I went through it, but it never, it never, the penny never dropped. Yeah. Until I read the case study and, and spoke to the team and I was like, 
That's so true, actually. Um, anyways, um, so basically, they came up and they linked it to their social impact strategy by creating a whole campaign about how would the intimacy come back. So they created it, the campaign was all about Kama Sutra. Oh, really? Yeah. Positions. I've, I've definitely, I've, I think I've read about this actually. And they, they produced the book, did they? They did. Yes, yeah, no, they I did. have read about this actually, yes. You know, they did. Yeah. And, and to me, I was like, gosh, you're good. How did you manage that? So they linked their social impact strategy mm-hmm. or uh, strategy with well being, mental health. Yeah. You know, and they reported on it. Yeah. And that wouldn't have been possible. If it wasn't from the inside, from the customers. Well, there we go. So, you know, it's the adding some aphrodisiac to, uh, to mortgage applications. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, that's a, that's a great example for a number of reasons. I think it's great in terms of how we're using customer insight, but it's also like what a different way of communicating within that particular sector, which would traditionally all be about sort of the the rates and the repayments. It's all very, very, very product focused. Exactly. And, um, and it's very dry. It's a boring topic as yeah. well. Um, and this is where I think the gap is when you're telling a story, yeah. because as marketers, we're so focused on talking about the purpose mm-hmm. of what we're trying to do without actually showcasing the plan behind the purpose. And that's called purpose washing, by the way. Mm-hmm. So purpose washing is different than greenwashing. Mm-hmm. Greenwashing is when you are claiming claims that have gaps and that are not true. Mm-hmm. Purpose washing is when you are just talking about a single campaign and saying, oh, yeah, we're doing this campaign. It, it aligns with our purpose, but without actually giving us a plan yeah. of how does it align to the purpose? How does it align to the sustainability strategy? And to give you an example, uh, McDonald's. So McDonald's issued uh, and launched their McDonald's plant-based range. Yes, yeah. I think they called it McPlant, I think. But when they launched it, there was no mention of how this plant, how this range taps into the wider sustainability strategy. And how does it how will it affect and contribute to the growth of that strategy? Mm-hmm. Not even growth. Growth is the wrong way of bringing the strategy to life. Sure. And that's the gap that marketers do. They don't tell you, they don't give you context. And so we, we, if we're just to take um, that McDonald's one as, a, as, as an example there, and you're saying that they didn't tie it into that sort of wider strategy. Now, I appreciate you, you're not intimately familiar with what the, the McDonald's strategy might I'm be. Not. But just to help, uh, I think, the, the audience sort of understand where that sort of breakdown occurs. Are, are we saying that what they were doing was just talking around sort of plant-based, but in isolation in terms of, well, we now have a plant-based menu, that, that's a good thing, that they really need to be talking about, okay, well, what is the impact of introducing plant-based? How are we changing our supply chain and our sourcing of ingredients? Is, is that what you mean by I, This is what I mean. That's yes. what I mean by yeah. context. Sure, yeah. Give me context. Tell me that if I am eating that plant-based burger, mm-hmm. a bun, um, what am, what's my role? How mm. am I helping you, McDonald's, to save the planet? Mm. 
how many carbon am I reducing, for example? Mm-hmm. Um, who was involved in, in bringing me that burger, mm. plant burger? Um, how can I then go back home and replicate that and live a healthy life? Educate me. And that's, again, that's a gap that marketers do. And again, I know we're in a marketing po- podcast, but I promise you that's across all the board. PR, internal comms are the exact the same. Mm-hmm. There is no educational piece. And that's where the problem arises because not everyone understands the importance of saving people on planet. Mm-hmm. And it also mean it also doesn't resonate the same way for me versus you. I can feel it because I'm from an underdeveloped country. Mm-hmm. I can see the flooding. I can see my family being affected by it. Mm-hmm. So it, it's touching me directly. Others might not see it. Mm. And Nielsen, the research company, um, they've issued a report that showcased when you talk about sustainability, it means different things to different people. So in LATAM, for example, sustainability, the word sustainability literally meant uh, picking up garbage, uh, recycling, for example. Whereas sustainability in the Middle East it meant social impact. Yes. So it's different. And this is the role of marketers is to educate to and help us ch- change our mindset as consumers. Mm. So it's a very powerful role, but they don't know it. Completely. And, that, and that's what good marketing is. Good marketing is about, uh, you know, coming back to this idea of understanding your audience and then making what you want to say or your proposition relevant and relatable to that that target audience and the way that you achieve that as you've quite rightly said is by creating that context that they they can understand um, now i'm conscious of time so i'm just going to try and sort of squeeze one one more question in is that um and this is around sort of the difference between words and actions um now, it would seem that a lot of, you know, companies when they are sort of talking around sustainability and um, ESG more generally, they are words. And then actually, when you look at the actions of the organization, there is that big gap between what they're saying and then, then what they're doing across every aspect. Do you think that, that that matters? Or do you think that really, if a company is going to be serious about telling an ESG story, then they've got to make sure that it is representative across all their actions and there should be no contradiction? The answer is yes and no. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be provocative a little bit. Please be. If you're a small startup and you're starting up, don't worry about put, uh, in, embedding it internally amongst your employees' mindset. You're in a growth mindset anyways. You are not going to change any mindset because actually the maximum employees you're going to have as a startup or a scale up is going to be what, 100, 500? That's nothing. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you're a large organization, absolutely 100% you have to do the right thing by getting your house in order first mm-hmm. before you go out. And that's why people call us to come in and test if they are walking the walk and talking the talk internally or not mm-hmm. and test the strategy and how is it embedded within the employee life cycle. Start from uh, recruitment all the way to offboarding. Yes. Okay. But the most important thing is that don't worry too much at the beginning of embedding, embedding, embedding it <laughs> internally <laughs> if you're a small company. 
worry about how you're going to measure your impact externally. Because mm-hmm. that's going to contribute to your reporting mechanism and your investor investor um, experience, um, round, Excellent. investment round. I think it is interesting there because I think that you know what what we're saying there is is that marketing has a definite role to play, but they are part of a much bigger picture when it comes to ESG within an organisation. Um, and to to get to a point where you are doing ESG properly, it requires the whole company moving in the same direction. And marketing can help coordinate that, but it's got to be something which is is brought from the top. Um, marketing also holds a big role in utilizing the, what they have as an asset in the terms of employees. Mm-hmm. If you're a big organization, let's say 500 plus, this is where you need to focus on employees. And this is where marketing, this is the gap that marketers do not fill. Yep. I have yet to find a single marketer who would go and test the message internally with their employees before they go out. I have not met them yet. Everyone is so focused in working in silos, the different disciplines within the mm-hmm, comms mm-hmm. departments, that they don't understand that if they join forces together, they're actually going to have more of an impact. Because ESG is all about mindset change, by the way. All about mindset change. If you don't get the mindset right, you're screwed, basically, if I'm, if I'm allowed to say that. You are. Absolute uh, permission to say what you want. But yeah, marketers are just so used to the old type of working, the ways of working, that they're not yet ready to upskill themselves quickly to handle the new, yeah. the new ways of working. And, and I think that what you've almost done there is it's, it's nicely segue to what I've almost taken out as one of the biggest uh, learnings from a sort of our conversation. And a way for marketers to break out of that traditional mold, uh, to have more upward influence on the the organization, it comes down to that data, insight and intelligence around the marketplace and the audience. And the big sort of lesson that I've taken from this is that if marketers want to deliver a successful ESG communications strategy, then they've got to be making sure that they are representing what the market hears, sorry, needs um, and influencing how that strategy is set. Um, and that's just as responsible, uh, just as big a responsibility as telling that really compelling story around ESG to those marketing. So it really does come down to the data and the insights um, which can empower the marketers. So, I mean, look, it's been a fantastically interesting conversation around ESG. I've really, really enjoyed it. I've also learned a lot. I think that if I was to think back, you know, uh, half an hour ago, I think I probably did have a few naiveties there. Um, but how we always like to close out uh, B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth, is to ask you a question about when was the last time that you saw a piece of um, advertising, a piece of marketing communication, which you really felt in your guts? And what I mean by that is it's not just something which you sort of rationally were like, OK, well, yeah, that makes sense. I do have that need for a product. I might buy it or whatever. But it's something which really moved you emotionally on a sort of a, a deep, meaningful level. I'm so sorry, but I haven't yet seen any of that. Which is probably the biggest provocative truth that we have had. I have not. The only, um, uh, when it comes to ESG campaigns, nothing moved my gut or said, hmm, actually, okay, no. Which I think is 
in very, very revealing itself. But if you were to take, if you were to move out of your category, what was the last time that you you saw something or listened to something? It could be audio as well that really did move you. Um, you might laugh at me for saying this, but there was an ad that I saw years and years and years ago. But that's actually in advertising. It's not marketing. So. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, it's really, well, and I think this is, I'm glad that you almost said that, well, advertising doesn't count. What, what marketing is about from our perspective is communication using a variety of different mediums. Now, sometimes it can be a video, which is a TVC. Sometimes it could be a big hoarding. Sometimes actually it could just be a social post, which is really, really poignant or the use of a, a meme. Um, and, and I, I want to open it up. So, yeah. So Feel I'm free not, to use advertising. So, uh, so I'm not a fan of campaigns that use shocking data or mm-hmm. shocking imaging images. Because as human beings, we are not wired to retain negative thoughts for, for mm-hmm. long. Yeah. From a defensive and a, and, a, and a survival point of view, we are wired to forget things. And if yeah. you look in, in Arabic, a human being is actually called insan. Uh, insan literally transfers, uh, translates into the forgetful. Okay. We tend to forget so we can move on. Yes. Um, so from a shocking point of view, don't ask me if I remember anything because I've blocked it out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, from um, an emotional point of view, something that really touched me, but it only touched me after I gave birth, interestingly, mm-hmm. is, and, and you're going to laugh, it's a lice ad. There was a there is an, a product for children's lice. Head head lice, yes. Head lice. Yeah. Okay. And it was almost like um, there is a bird, uh, a child crossing, and the bird is next to him, and she was protecting him with her wings, and and then he was doing something else, and she was also protecting him. Don't ask me how protection is related to lice. <laughs> Don't know. All I know is that after I gave birth, years and years later, when I saw it again, I was like, oh, gosh, that's so true. I am. And, and, and the funny thing is, every time we are crossing a, a road, subconsciously, I do that. Mm. And I don't know why <laughs> I get my hands around my child to protect her. But yeah, that's the only thing that touched me from an emotional, from a motherly point of view. But from a mindset change point mm-hmm. of view, no, nah, not for me. Yeah. Not yet. Anyways, I look that's, forward to it, though. Definitely. Well, look, I think that in terms of um, the, the ad that you've just described there, like that, the little phrase which shows that it was a good piece of advertising is when you said, it's so true. And that's really the heart of good communication is when you identify that truth and you tell it in a way that people recognize. Um, So, yeah, that was fantastic. Anyway, Jan, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so, so much for for coming on. Um, You didn't call me out for any using any big words. So thank you for being so generous. (laughs) Because you you actually you actually (laughs) did not use any big words yet. (laughs) See, I just need the briefing before I start, because that's what Jihan did. And it's obviously worked. Um, So, yeah. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so, so much. And thank you, everyone, for for tuning in. Thank you. Thank you for having me. B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth is brought to you by Allen Agency. To find out more, head to allen-agency.com. You can stream B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else great podcasts are found. And don't forget to click subscribe to ensure you don't miss out on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Allen, thanks for listening.